0: Welcome to the show. She's Amy House. He's Scotty Kipper. Welcome to the show.
1: This week's guest has his latest EP, Wreck This Out. His uh, tune, What a Song Should Do, just went gold. No Truck Song also went gold. And Hell Raisin Good Time, certified platinum. He is uh, calling us from his home in St. Catharines, and he's been living the dad life. Tim Hicks,
0: welcome to the show. Thank you for having me thanks for being here this is pretty cool it's been a while since no we've worries. had a chance to connect and uh Absolutely. man it's, it's been a few really great years for you how have things been going
2: yeah i mean ever since i became a stay-at-home dad everything's uh <laughs> just coming up uh coming up roses <laughs> I, I made a meatloaf yesterday and wow. uh <laughs> i mean it's a, it hasn't you know i mean in terms of music stuff it, it hasn't been awesome but uh you know, we're, we're just taking it day by day around here and uh, looking for the positive whenever we can. But, mm-hmm. you know, th- that being said, it's like as as the world turns, um, I released an EP and, uh, you know, ha- had some, some success with... Uh, with no truck song and uh, with what a song should do, and so it's it's still uh, managed to be a pretty positive and exciting time, regardless of the fact that the the entire world is on lockdown right now. So can't complain really.
1: Totally, and we're gonna get talked about the music in a second. But I'm curious, uh, with the stay-at-home dad thing, what's a typical uh, day look like for you getting the kids ready?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I took on um, the majority of the of the the home care stuff, just because uh, Amanda's a public health nurse. Obviously, they've been going like gangbusters for a long time. So um, she's been really busy doing that. So, you know, I, I wake up a little after seven and and uh, make coffee and tea and get breakfast for the kids and then uh, make it make lunches um, and I'm dropping them off because we're not doing like before or after school care like we once did. So I'm literally dropping them off 50 minutes to the bell and then going about my day which is you know anything from uh meat loaf to... To, yeah making meatloaf to uh, songwriting you know a uh, couple times a week over zoom um the odd online thing but typically uh, everything wraps up around three o'clock when i go back to pick the kids up and then it's you know the dinner routine the bath routine and uh, getting everybody ready for bed so it's very exciting it's very rock and roll very
0: wrong <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this meatloaf for a second that sounds pretty dynamite what's the Tim Hicks meatloaf secret
2: well we go we don't need a lot of beef in my house so um, ground turkey is the way okay and I tried to I tried a new recipe and sort of you know'm I'm, I'm a very like follow the rules follow the recipe kind of a guy but yesterday was ex- was um, was exciting because <laughs> I added some things to the meatloaf that weren't in the recipe
0: he goes rogue.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I went ro- I went rogue on the turkey meatloaf, and it turned out great. So there- nice. Neither one of my kids would touch it, but it. But but a man, and I loved it.
0: <laughs> what does going rogue in the kitchen look like for you?
2: Like I literally added half a teaspoon of Italian seasoning and half a teaspoon of dried thyme. <laughs> you have to understand, I was literally on the front end of a, of my world tour when the world shut down. So then to come home and instantly go from hey, where's catering? to, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where's the vacuum cleaner Um, was a, was a, was a very jarring, um, experience, but, you know, necessary. And, and, you know, we've, I've been talking about this lots about like finding the positives because I'm not always good at that. It's something that I'm working on, you know, finding the positive in situations like that. And honestly, it's really, it's given me an opportunity to kind of, you know, make it up to my wife and kids for me being away essentially for the first eight years of their life, you know? Mm. So, Um, So I really didn't mind. And I I don't mind, you know, at the end of the day.
1: I've spoken to so many musicians that say the exact same thing that, you know, they because with busy touring schedules, sometimes you're not home for uh, weeks at a time. And so now it's kind of a way to reconnect as a family. So that in itself is 100 percent a positive thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even just like trying to connect with my wife, you know, that you know, as we're in that you know we're we're in our uh, late 30s early 40s our kids are getting a little older it's getting busy her career's busy my career's busy and so you know you got to find ways to stay connected in, in amongst all that you know what i mean and that that's been the challenge up until now and re- really the challenge now is to not drive her crazy cuz i'm just home all the time and she's like you know this is the longest you've been home ever since i've known you you know so you i just trying to figure out ways to, to maintain balance.
1: Well, we wanted to congratulate you on your latest EP, Wreck This. Now tell us a little bit about this Thank because, um, I mean, we've known your other albums, Throwdown, 501, Shake These Walls, New Tattoo. But tell us a, a little bit about uh, what makes this one special.
2: This time around, I was just focused on like writing the best songs that I could possibly write. Uh, a lot of which uh, are are co-written with with people that I've co-written so many songs with. So there's a level of comfort there that I think you know is is apparent on the record. And uh, yeah, just tra- just trying to keep the ball rolling. You know, like with you know, for for instance, no truck song that came out of a what we call a wild card right which is you know us getting together with just friends of ours after hours getting some beers and us some pizza maybe a margarita and just seeing what falls out and you know we laughed so much i had no idea that a song like that was going to resonate with people the way that it did um and so that that was really exciting you know because because we weren't trying too hard you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and it just sort of happened and then of course went number one and recently went gold so that that was like was so uh interesting to watch happen you know because there are songs like you know a great example would be like what a song Should do where we we left the studio writing it that day going oh my god i can't wait for people to hear this like we knew we <laughs> had something special with no truck song we, we, we were like no one looked around the room and said, "We just wrote a number one, boys." Like, <laughs> you know, like we just we're just just goofing off. You know what I mean? So it was a very different experience, and and, and I, I think that, like I said, that that comfort shows on on this on this set of songs.
1: Well, I'm sure that with every project, every album, you uh, change and evolve uh, as a musician, anyways, right? And as an artist, you're yeah. you know you kind of kind of fall into the groove. And, and I'm just kind of talking out of my ass here because I don't know, mm-hmm. like I'm not. But, uh, well, Scotty, you might know better than I being a musician yourself. But, you know, you kind of lean into it a little bit more with each project, probably.
2: Well, that, and it, but it's a tricky balance because, you know, you're trying to, like, obviously, as, as artists, we always want to look forward. You know, wh- whatever you're doing now and what you're doing next week is way more exciting and w- way better, as far as you're concerned, in my humble opinion anyway, than anything you did in the past. You know what I mean? But that being said... You don't want to alienate the people that put you to where, where you are. So it's this delicate balance of like trying to fit songs in there that kind of match like what people are used to hearing from me, mm. but also showing, showing growth. So that's how you get a song like Wreck This Town, right? So Wreck This Town was a, you know, we, we, we refer to songs like Wreck This Town as red meat. And what, what, what I mean by that is like my core audience um, knows me for a certain thing. And every now and again, I want to give them that thing so that you know so that they're satisfied and i'm satisfied and really what that is is like songs that are fun to play live that are centered around the party country thing right yeah. like the mm-hmm. here comes the thunders and the stomping grounds and you know uh, but but in terms of growth you know that's how you get a song like ride or die you know what i mean because i, do, I don't often get to cut ballads and it's difficult for me to, to find or write ballads that kind of suit me you know as a guy that's you've been married for 11 years and i got two kids so it's hard for me to cut outside songs um you know especially ballads because they don't often i can't identify you know but when it, a song like ride or die um to me it shows growth because it's it's a little it's a little bit more of a tender side but still has that toughness that that you know that the tim hicks fans have come to expect you know what i mean yeah so it's a delicate balance is what i'm trying to say of of of, you know keeping it the same but still evolving and showing some growth at the
0: same time you touched on something interesting tim just in terms of the type of material that you do and you're known for being this party guy and i've been there a hundred times and i've watched crowds explode watching you play Mm. and it's it's Mm -hmm. really really a cool thing how does the ballad thing fit into that mold for you? Is that like a is it a weird kind of disconnect when you play a ballad live?
2: Yeah, we we definitely have to be choosy about what we play and when we play it, um, and it, it it's always in a very deliberate like I, if if I'm if I'm going to do an hour or seventy five minutes, you're going to get one maximum two ballads, right. so, and usually it's one. And we it lately it's like we pick um oh well lately at uh, the six songs that i did between march and now <laughs> but you know it's like we we we, we alternate it we, we choose it it's like are we going to do she don't drink whiskey anymore or are we going to do slide over you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's like we're not going to do both unless i have an extended period of time because you know like i just i feel like the energy like people people expect a high energy show from from the guys and i and i want to give that to them um that being said I also want to sing lots of different songs because I like to sing. And, you know, prior to being an artist on the national level, you guys know this. I I sang in every chicken wing bar from, you know, Niagara Falls to Ottawa and back and out to Windsor. And I sang every kind of song. So, you know, I'm always looking for different sorts of songs to fit into the show to make it interesting. But that being said, you know, you got to be choosy about where you're going to put the slide overs, the ride or dies, the Mm -hmm. the, uh, she don't drink whiskey anymore. And how I balance that out, Scotty, and you know it. Is like, for instance, you know, when we do the live version of She Don't Drink Whiskey, we add an epic Guns N' Roses guitar battle at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, you get the first two and a half minutes, which is the song, you know, she don't drink whiskey. And then it winds up as November Rain at the end, which to me is like. You know that's all of my influences coming out all all at once right that's uh, and, and it makes for a for a cool moment in the show right to have the guys like you know battle it out with guitars and it just gives us a second to kind of play as a band as well and not mm-hmm. be locked into you know the three minute you know pop country uh, song that
0: uh, you know that was the hit you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so be part of that question then when you're selecting music and going into the studio do you get more excited to cut a ballad because it's outside of that kind of niche thing that you do as Tim Hicks? No
2: here's here's the nuts and bolts of it is when you get a budget to cut anything, that's when I'm excited, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. like and and you know, I, I'm excited to cut songs that i that I think my fan base is going to like, you know what I mean? And I, and I wouldn't cut, that sounds misleading because I wouldn't cut something that I don't think people would like, but there are definite times where you cut songs. It's like, well, this is going to work. You just have, you just, you just feel like th- this song's going to resonate with people some, some, some way, shape or form, you know? But for mm. me, it's, it always comes down to the show because that's where I come from and that's who I am. So it's like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to ask my record label for money to go into a studio and cut a song, that song had better have a place in the show
0: because that's
2: that's my whole deal is like that's Mm -hmm. where i came from Mm -hmm. um so the record is really just a conduit to get you to buy a ticket to come see the show because typically you know even other artists i've had on the national level approach me after the fact and go you know tim to be honest i didn't get it until i saw you play and then now i understand what what the deal is with you you know what i mean (laughs) it's like oh okay you know where some guys and because everybody's path and everybody's place is different so some people it's like the record is the most important part but for me it's the show and everything has to point point to that
1: what came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah,
2: the show came first. Then, then I said, oh, my God, i got to learn 40 songs.
1: <laughs> okay, so you were t- mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, kind of how uh, No Truck Song happened, and it was, you know, uh, just a, um, a happy coincidence, I suppose. But let's talk about Stronger Beer for a second, because I remember, and in your sure. live shows, you do talk about uh, the beginning of that song, how it was kind of just a, a fun writing experience, and then you didn't think that it was going to go anywhere and it blew up for you
2: yeah well it was never supposed to be anything it was just a joke it, it was a it was a joke to get a laugh out of my day-to-day manager at the time who was from west virginia and, and that song started as a conversation between me and jeff copeland about the differences between canada and america because it was on like you know i think it was maybe my second or third time to nashville and i just i i asked him on the ride from the office to the studio if we could stop at a Shoppers and get a pack of Smarties,
0: and, uh, and he
2: laughed. He laughed. He's like, I, you know, I don't, you know, as a joke, he was like, I don't even know what you just said. It's like, oh yeah, I'm in America. Let's let's hit the Walgreens and get some M and M's. He's like, why do not you say so? So you know, once once we started to, like just chit chatting about about that, because what's interesting about Jeff is that he's Canadian. He grew up in Montreal, but he's the most American Canadian I ever met. So he wasn't even aware that we had a, a, a professional football league in Canada. And once I explained to him that the ball was slightly bigger and the field is five yards longer and blah, all the, and there's one less down, he just thought that was hilarious. And, and you know, having my day-to-day guy uh, be from West Virginia, he was always asking questions like, you know, how do y'all drink milk from bags up there?
1: <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> That's a fair like that. question. <laughs> and,
2: yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, we would explain to him that, you know, you go to your friend's house and his, his mom would have a blue milk container and it would taste different somehow than the red milk. <laughs> container. You know what I mean? Like so that that's how that song started. And we wrote two songs that day. And the idea was we were going to send in the silly song and wait for the phone call like, ha ha, very funny, boys. Now get to work and then send in the serious song. But what happened was we sent in this silly song and you know we get this phone call like it's out of a movie with the song blasting in the background going we love it it's going on the record and i was like that, it's going on the record no 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 no, no. Like, I, can't, I can't i can't go back to canada singing you know it takes me six beers to get pissed drunk like I, i'm gonna get i'm gonna get killed for that you know but but you know p- people saw like you know as i calmed down and You know, we put it out. And of course, every radio station from Vancouver to Halifax was screaming, like, make that a single, make it the second single, because Get By was out. And uh, to his credit, Ron Kitchener, uh, who runs Open Road and is my manager, he stuck to his guns. He said, this song will not be a single. He was concerned that if it became a single, that I would be branded instantly as a novelty act. And and, And in retrospect, I'm glad that he stuck to his guns because it's so much cooler that it went platinum and it wasn't a single. That is
1: that's so cool. Really cool that's man. such a cool story. And I remember yeah. you at Boots and Hearts, and I mean, yeah. you, you know what a wild ride Boots and Hearts is. But yeah. uh, oh, yeah. you've got everybody like raising their red solo glasses and their beer cans to that song, and that's got to be a pretty huh. amazing feeling, right?
2: Absolutely. That that's what you. That's what the name of the game is, you know. And you'll notice, see, I, I hedge my bet a little bit because I typically put a chance into almost every song really uh, some kind of repeating singable part that i can involve the audience in and you know especially boots you know those those types of performances like boots and hearts and like craven and and uh you know all of those uh open air festivals they're they're great for getting to people getting people involved and singing along and you know that was something that i learned when i i played in the beatles tribute band You know, because we would get people to eat. You tell people, stand up, clap along. And they would. And so when I got back from the road from doing that gig, I just kept doing that in my bar gigs. Um, And then uh, and then just kept doing it at my artist gigs, you know, and and people what I noticed was people would walk away going, wow, I had a really great time without fully understanding why they had a great time. And the reason why is because they were involved in the show, you know and i say it all the time from the stage i'm like this it's up to you guys how much fun you want to have you know like this this show will be as epic or as non epic as you make it you know it's it like i all i can do is put it out there and if you give it back i'll give you more and then if you give me more we'll just keep this thing rolling like a snowball until it erupts you know
0: from a standpoint of of a guy who like i'm not a party guy when i play live and so the idea of being up there and 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 being as Big and sort of magnanimous as your personality is on stage. That just freaks me out from a performance standpoint. <laughs> um, so yeah. so you know, I, I look at what you do, Tim, and I just I, I have so much respect for it because it's Thank something you. that I simply cannot do.
2: Well, I appreciate that, man, because I tip, you know I, sometimes I feel like I don't uh, I'd, you know when you're the party country guy, and of course, early on, i got I got looped into the that dirty word bro country. You know you, you i i feel sometimes like i don't get respect from the industry you know because that i'm like doing the novelty thing but i'll tell you what the party thing came out of playing bars for 18 years mm-hmm. you know when it's your job every night no matter what town you're in to bring the party uh, it just happens over time and so it kind of made sense that you know Third set to come out with Save a Horse, Ride Cowboy, Chicken Fried, Friends in Low Places. You know, when I wrote songs, I wanted to write songs that fit in with those numbers because I saw the reaction that they got. You know, Mm -hmm. so to me, it's like you know, you could say what you want about the party country thing, but but for me, it's one hundred percent natural. That being said, it's it's a bit of a trick in the sense that I was the only sober guy (laughs) because because I drove the van. You know what I mean? So the band would be wasted. The audience would be wasted. The bar staff would be wasted, and I'm the only one standing up there going, "Come on, get your drinks
1: in the air." So it was a
2: bit, of a, a bit of a trick, you know, to, to learn how to egg on that kind of a, a of a thing. But it's it's completely different now because I don't have to drive anymore. I
1: right. never understood why it was as such a there was such a negative connotation put around being the party. The yeah, there. well I like I never understood. I mean, you either there's room for everybody, right? There if you want to go and that's have how a I You want to go and have a wild time, then you go to a Tim Hicks show and you're going to have a wild time.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and like that's that's hey, listen, to each their own. Everybody has a different path. Everyone has a different place and you're 100% right. There there's room for everybody. You know, it's like you know, all the colors of the rainbow. You know, you're you're welcome to be a part of the scene as far as I'm concerned, whether you're <laughs> you're you know, whether you're like Jessica Mitchell or you know, you, you sing sad songs and she's not shy about it. She's like, I'm 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 going to sing for 40 minutes now. And if there's a dry eye in this place, I'm going to sing for 42 minutes because I, I'm going to make everybody cry. Well, <laughs> I look at it the same way, but, you know, I, I'm going to make sure that you have a great time that night. Mm-hmm. And, and if you if you don't have a great time, then I didn't do my job.
1: Well, I love that perspective on it. And I have to ask you, you, would you consider yourself an A-type personality, though? Because I've met so many people who actually, you know, their stage presence, nothing like who they are in person.
2: Oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. We've we've spent quite a lot of time. I I feel like what you're seeing on stage is pretty authentic, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that that's. I've been told anyway, that's kind of what resonates about me to to people, because I I have a hard time putting on a face. Like if I'm having a bad day, everyone kind of knows it. And that's not something I'm proud of, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) It's just who I am as a person. And so but, you know, in those moments, especially on stage, I am 100 percent in my element. I've been playing in bands since I was seven years old and I love it. I love that music is a team sport you know what i mean yep. and and that i it's like that so to me it's like the the guy that you see on stage you know might be an exaggerated version of of me but it, it is it you know they 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 are real parts of me that's for sure
1: well and i ask that because i mean i am in radio and so i'm you know in the public eye, uh, not to Mm -hmm. anywhere the extent you are, but Mm -hmm. I I consider myself an A-type personality, and that reflects, that being said, I have uh, serious social anxiety. And so it's like, why are you in this job if you, right? So that's why I was asking, because you'd be surprised at how many people are kind of the same way.
2: Yeah, Yeah, well, you know what, though? In that respect, see, I fully understand that, because when you are on radio... There is an expectation and you know what your what your role is. And when you're behind a microphone, you don't have to see all those people that are looking that are listening to you. Mm -hmm. But you you become comfortable in your own skin in, you know, in the studio with your headphones on, with your thing, just doing your gig. So I can understand uh, why somebody with social anxiety would be comfortable. Do, doing that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I, like, I, I kind of feel the same. Like, I, I wouldn't say that I suffer from social anxiety, but I am definitely more of an introvert, I think, than people expect.
1: Right. Um, mm. I,
2: I, what, what is that called when you're, it's called something, you're not an introvert, you're not an extrovert. It's like some, it's like, like, I, like, I love to, to kick it with my friends. Like, I, I love it. I love, we, Amanda and I both, we love to have people over, but I also love to have quiet time where I can just be in my, pjs
1: So you're just a, a movie. <laughs>
2: yeah, I get, but it's I forget what it's called. It's, it's you know people that are like you know, you might have to have like a nap to to, to get yourself ready to, to yes. you know to, ha- to handle a, 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 so, a like a a loud social situation. Yes. But we <laughs>
1: get
0: through it. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit like
1: that could be the personality thing, or that could be the uh, creeping up in the thirties thing too. That you know, like it could be one or sense? the other. <laughs> yeah, it
0: could be. It could be. Uh, Tim, you you've mentioned your uh, your time in the bars. I'd love to go back and do a bit of a history lesson here. Um, sure. One of the things that we like to do here on the show is talk about the road, uh, to success. And I know that yours was a long one. Um, can you just talk about, I mean, you just mentioned you, you've been playing in bands since you were seven. So when did things really kind of start for you in terms of, um, you know, thinking that you could do this, uh, as a career, whatever that looked like.
2: Well, I, like, it's, I've like told the story a lot, and it's 100% true. In grade two, in Mrs. Morgan's class, she went around the room and asked everybody what they wanted to be. And when she got to me, I said professional musician. And then she instantly told me that I couldn't be a professional musician because they didn't make any money, and it was a terrible life. I'd have to live on the road out of a suitcase and and you know, and that was a theme that kind of stuck with me through my my teens and my twenties. You know, people around me, whether it was, you know, family members or guidance counselors, always telling me that I couldn't do music as a living. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I'm the kind of guy that says, Oh yeah, I can't watch this. Mm-hmm. And so I just created my own scene and I I started playing in bars when I was 15. I My f- first gig, they made me stand on the sidewalk in between sets when they found out how old I was. Um, <laughs> and so I, I immediately grew a goatee it was the 90s so you could do that and it was acceptable um and so that 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 bar owners would think i was older than i was and because i always played with older guys which i think was to my benefit because you're you know you were always reaching to catch up in terms of your skill level Mm -hmm. um and uh, it just it just happened naturally like I, i was i was always in a band like where i took lessons from Uh, From the time I was seven, you know, you go for your lesson, but they also put together these little combos, they call them, where there's like four or five kids around the same, like music level, around the same age, playing together for an hour a week kind of thing. And I just, I loved it. And so as soon as I figured out a way, you know, to monetize that, like somebody said to me one time, like, you know, you can go and play at the cafe over there and they'll pay you $80 to play for three hours. And as a 15 year old kid, I was like, Eighty dollars! Oh my god! I I I need to do that. And so I started playing open mic nights, um, and I had a band, and we started to do some gigs. And then I got a gig um, at at uh, at a hotel in Niagara Falls, playing four nights a week, and that just set me up. Like I I was just I was you know I was I was smitten at that point. And so one day I woke up and I was like, I guess this is my living. Like I I you know I was in university. I my parents insisted that I. Uh, do something other than music as a backup plan, uh, which is great advice uh, (laughs) now that I have kids. So I finished my degree in psychology at the University of Waterloo. But at the same time, I I was gigging four nights a week, five nights a week back then. Uh, When I finished school, um, I gave my diploma to my mother and uh, went to my gig (laughs) that night. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, and it wasn't until... You know, like I I stopped trying to get a record deal because I just figured it was never going to happen. And it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that things started to really happen. Um, You know, I got hooked into with these two songwriters and and we wrote some songs and they saw me play at one of my gigs like in downtown Toronto. They were like, hey, dude, you got a good voice. Do you write? And I said yes. But I hadn't written in a long, long time. I was just, I was just working. Uh, but we wrote some songs, and they took those songs to Nashville, and they played them for Ron Kitchener. Um, and uh, next thing I knew, I had uh, a record deal and a newborn baby all at the wow. same
1: time.
0: <laughs>
2: So it was it was chaos for for a long time, but um, it was it was a solid 18 years of of um, slinging it in, in bars and restaurants and pubs and parties and cruise ships and tribute bands and casino gigs and uh, like yeah you know crew gigs. I did uh, like I, I was I worked as a roadie. Um, I wanted to learn every aspect of this business um, from from a live music point of view, uh, so that I could do every job. And uh, one day I woke up and. You know, uh, I, I, I was like, I guess this is my career.
1: Were your parents always supportive of your choice to? No, no, okay.
2: No, no. I mean, my my dad my dad was fine uh, with it, um, as long as I wasn't asking him for money. He was fine
0: <laughs>
2: with it. <laughs> and uh, my my mother lost a lot of sleep over it. You know, I remember having conversations like, you know, no one's gonna want to marry you. You'll never get a mortgage. Things like like that, you know, that that are legit concerns for, for uh, the, uh, you know a mother of a of a twenty one year old son, or of a even a, of a seventeen year old son. Like, um, I can't even imagine now that because I as a dad now, you know, sending my son at fifteen out to play in a bar, like that that that, <laughs> that wouldn't fly, <laughs> yeah. you know. Not now, but then it was like I don't, I don't even know if I told them. I just like went and did it, you know. So I can see I I fully understand wh- where they were coming from. When they were when they were uncomfortable with it, but I've since proven to them time like they were over it by the you know even before I, I had a career at the national level like they they could see okay well look at that he he really he really did went and did it you know and and it turned out okay and and he was able to get a car loan and get married and all those things <laughs> so you know <laughs> at, at the end of the day everybody is supportive now.
1: You know. All right. So uh, your kids come to you and say that they want to pursue music professionally, you say.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope they don't. But if they do, then I'll support that. You know, my my daughter is very artistic visually, like she she's a wonderful artist at seven years old. Even uh, she has talent. And so she said, I, I want to be an artist, dad. And it's like we're like, yeah, go for it. I don't know how you do that. Uh, But there's a way, you know, so Mm -hmm. check it out. And, you know, I I wish I had more people around me when I was younger to say, yeah, check it out. Yeah. Try that out. Like, yes, take that gig. Uh, Go travel around the world. You'll you'll get you know what I mean? Like that those kinds of things. So we're trying to approach our, you know, bringing our kids up in a little bit more of a, um, a supportive rather than critical uh, vibe. You know? It's a different time. A
1: different I, time. I think there yeah. are uh, parents, uh, you know, not to slag our parents by any means, but it's, you not know, uh, I think that it's a different climate. And, you know, we just want uh, our kids to uh, be as well-rounded as possible. So I get that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, I don't, I don't hold any grudges. I understand where my parents were coming from especially now that I'm a parent, I fully understand. So it's like, it was just part of it. And, you know, I mean, my family's very, like, they're, they're blue-collar people. You know what I mean? Like, my dad was a firefighter. Before that, he was a butcher. Uh, my mom taught preschool, and then she worked with special needs people. So, you know, they grew up in households that didn't understand that you could make a living as an artist. Or or I remember, like, my stepfather was a, is a salesman or was a salesman for years. And my grandfather never understood how he made money doing that. And I don't think my grandfather still understands how I make money and how I pay bills doing what I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but that's okay. You know what I mean? Like they grew up in a, in a different time. So th- th- the world is your oyster now. I mean, I think you can do anything you want, really, especially with the Internet.
0: So the, the plan B thing, would you rather have just had that support or was the prove them wrong factor so motivating for you that you wouldn't change that?
2: Yeah, it was motivating. It was. But you know the downside of that is that you 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 start to carry around a pretty heavy chip on your shoulder. Sure. And sure. I and I did and I do. You know what I mean? Like that's that's another thing that I'm not proud of that I work on every day. It's like you know if my wife was was here with us she'd say oh he definitely has a chip on his shoulder <laughs> that was definitely <laughs> motivating for him like it, it it was very motivating in in a positive way i think like to, you know to think oh you told me you tell me i can't do something i'm going to do it you know so you know i i wish that i had that support but on the same token too it's like i wouldn't change anything mm-hmm. right right you know and i've said this lots of times in, in in before like i i'm glad that it happened later for me because if if the the like the amount of success that happened uh, in a short period of time for me happened when I was 22 or 23. I'd probably be dead. Seriously, like I, a 22, 23 year old Tim Hicks with a gold record under his belt and a in a, a you know songs on the radio, like it wouldn't have been a good scene for me. And, and, and that's, that's proof. that's like the universe gives you what you need when you need it, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I had, my story was that I had to wait to be 33 before my career opened up. And that's what I love about country though. It's like, you know, in pop, it's well known. It's like, okay, well you're too old at 25, you mm-hmm. know, but in country you can be in your thirties and, uh, and, and start your career. And that's what I loved about it. It's like looking around, going, okay, well, Keith Ur- at that time, Keith Urban was in his mid forties, Blake Sheldon was in his mid forties. You know, I got plenty of time, and and and, and I'm just thankful that you know now coming into my 40s that I'm I still have a career that's happening.
1: Well, and I mean you've got the success to uh to prove it with all of your golden platinum uh songs and of course your um uh, Juno nominees, your CMA awards, your CMAO awards. I mean, you're rocking it. So, uh be proud of yourself. I appreciate that. Thank, you. So Thank this, you. I appreciate that. This is the part of uh, the show where we ask you to turn us on. Whether it is something that you have uh a new recipe maybe you want to get into depth about your meatloaf uh, a book that yeah. you've read um a song or a musician that you've recently discovered uh a tv show you've been watching anything we would love for you to turn us on
2: oh absolutely so has anybody talked about queen's ganda yet Ooh,
1: mm-hmm. scotty you've not seen it
0: i have not seen it but Kay. it's on my list so good it's gonna yeah. be uh one of my christmas time binges good
2: and it should be it's really great, and you're, you're going to want to ask for a chess set if you don't have one. So we, so we, we, uh, unfor- it's, there's a little bit of language in it in and in a little bit of uh, adult uh, situation, so I haven't been able to watch it with the kids, but one day we will. And the reason I say that is because my son especially loves chess. So, really? Um, really? Yeah, and, and he was in the in the chess club at school when they were allowed to have chess club. And so we have a chess board at home, and it's it's reignited that love for that for that game in in our house we're playing a lot of chess right now it's a great series yeah it's worth the watch and what I love about it is it just it kind of upends you know, the, the gender identity is, a, a, as like chess players being men. You know what I mean? Yeah, Totally. So cool. it's, it's worth checking out. It's, it's a really great program.
1: I don't have a chessboard, but I do have a shot glass chessboard. So does that count
2: if I... <laughs> That's more. That sounds like more of my speed. Okay, That's cool. a Tim
1: Hicks chessboard. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. All right, Tim. What were you saying?
2: Yeah. Well, I was also going to suggest, too, the new Taylor Swift record. It took me, it took me three listens through, but it's fantastic. The, the first time I heard it, I thought, well, she's just taken all of her songs that aren't hits for the radio and put them in one on one record and put them out. But um, having watched the documentary on the yes. on the record and, and her time, it's so good. It's so good. So, even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, um, I would suggest checking checking that out on on uh, I think that's on Disney actually.
1: I don't know. I feel yeah. It could be on Disney, but maybe we're not talking about the same one. Is it that one uh, where? Because I was going to bring this up too. What was it called? Miss Americana. Miss Americana. Americana. Okay. So do you remember that that part? Great too. Okay, so it's a different one. Different
2: one. Cool. Either or, like both of those were really great windows into her life and in her process. Because I, I mean, I have nothing but respect for Taylor Swift. I think she's fantastic in it, terms of a songwriter and and uh, it, it, as an artist. It's really good
1: stuff. I thought it was really cool just seeing her vulnerability with you know when she received the news that she wasn't nominated for a Grammy like she thought she was after pouring yeah. her heart and soul into that album. Anyways, I thought yeah. it was good. So there you go, Scotty. You've got some uh, you've got some suggestions there.
0: Excellent. Nice. Goes <laughs> <Awesome, guys, laughs> all the man. time. I gotta fill. Okay, Tim. We we've got a segment called Would You Rather. And okay. uh, it's very simple. We're gonna ask you uh, five questions. You just pick uh, the option that's that's more appealing to you. And I gotta tell right. you, uh, just fair warning, Amy is a little bit nuts, and she wrote all these. So, uh,
1: throw me right right up. under the bus, right at the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Would you rather have to have to make Elf on a Shelf scenes for your kids every night for a whole year? Or decorate your home for Halloween for all of December? <laughs> oh.
2: Decorate for all of December. Really? It gets It gets exhausting. <laughs> After all, you're like, okay, well, what what haven't I done? Okay, yeah, no, we did the we did the saran wrap thing. Okay, yeah, no, we did the duct tape thing. Okay, yeah, no, uh, he was riding the train. Yeah, okay, he was on top of the tree. Uh, did you put him in the fridge? Yeah, I put him in the fridge. Uh, did he steal the candy? Yes, he stole the candy. Has he, has he been on the record player? He's been on the record player, like, by the end of December. And then we then it starts fights. It's like, well, I put the
1: – I came up with the elf on the shelf for three, three days in a row, and you didn't even – try
2: <laughs> it's like way too much stress, way
1: too much. Stress. He's really impassioned. I believe that answer now. I don't know why parents do that to themselves. I I like, oh my gosh, I never got into that. And I'm not sorry about it. Not at all. I think it's
2: a great idea. Like, uh, in ours, our elf um, has been quarantining. (laughs) Yeah. So her her last day of quarantine was yesterday. So last night she got up to some mischief. And, you know, hey, don't get me wrong. It's fun at first. But come like, you know, December 23rd, 24th, you're like, let's just get this thing over with.
1: What's your elf's name?
2: Bella.
1: Oh, that's nice. Bella makes another appearance tomorrow morning. Okay, so (laughs) would you rather eat six ghost peppers in a row or drink a liter of pickle juice? Liter of
2: pickle
1: juice. Me too. (laughs)
0: Yep. (laughs) Sounds gnarly. If it was with vodka (laughs) and clam, I'd be down. (laughs)
1: Oh,
2: God. I don't know. I like pickles a lot. I like
0: pickles a lot. Would you rather skip everywhere you go or rollerblade everywhere you go? Well, skip everywhere I go. I do I do anyway. I yeah, would pay good different. money to see that.
1: Me too.
0: I just skip
2: around St. Catharines. It's amazing.
1: Tim Hicks <laughs> on stage 2021. 20, I better see some skipping.
2: <laughs> you got it.
1: Okay, would you rather you join it. a 90s ska band or an 80s metal band? Oh, 80s metal band.
2: Nice. Yeah. Yes. I want to be in Poison. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, and would you rather have your guitar refuse to stay in tune or have you forget the lyrics to one of your songs on stage?
2: Forget the song lyrics. Out of tune guitars drive me absolutely crazy. <laughs> and usually when you forget the words, um, one of two things happen. Either people love it because it's a human moment or mm-hmm. they don't even notice because you can mumble your way through it.
1: Tim Hicks, thank you so happy, much for the happy. chat and uh, joining us on the show. We appreciate it.
2: No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Really, it was nice to chat.
1: Well, that was super fun.
0: Man, Tim is just, he's the real deal, you know? And to hear him talk about his journey from being that seven-year-old kid with his hand up saying, I want to be a musician to having, what, 600 gold records now. It's it's really remarkable. So, uh, Tim, thanks so much for taking the time. It was really a pleasure to reconnect with you, and congratulations on all of your success.
1: We should mention, too, he is going to be participating in the uh, Unison holiday event called Canada in Unison. It's going to be happening December 17th, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and it will be in support of the Unison Benevolent Fund. And tell us why it's important to support them, Scotty. Uh, Unison.
0: You know- Unison supports the Canadian music industry in times of crisis. And of course, with the pandemic, they have been working overtime. And uh, I was one of the beneficiaries of, uh, of what they do. Um, and there's no shame in that. Uh, if you are a musician and you do need financial assistance because of the pandemic, uh, reach out to Unison because they are there for you. unisonfund.ca. Also, if you are listening to this and you want to support the Unison Benevolent Fund, uh, we have dressed the show in unison blue for the whole of season three. And uh, you can make a donation right on your cell phone. And all you got to do is pull out your text message app, text the word unison to 45678, and uh, you can follow the prompts from there.
1: Let's talk social media.
0: Yeah, let's do it. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know where to find us. We're at the show on the go. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We'd love to hear from you, too. If there's an artist that you'd like to hear on the show, let us know about it. We will do our best to get them on.
1: He's Scotty Kipfer.
0: She's Amy Oust.
1: Welcome to the show.